You're listening to the First Baptist Church of Hazel Park audio podcast. We hope that this podcast is a helpful resource in your daily walk with Christ. Now, here's today's sermon. Alright, well if you would turn with me to Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35. As I mentioned this morning, tonight I plan to uh, bring to a close the series on the patriarchs. And uh, we will come back to the book of Genesis at some point when the Lord leads and when the Lord allows and hopefully finish out the book eventually. We've kind of divided it into three sections. Um, And so we're going to begin here in chapter 35, verse number one. Hopefully we'll cover the whole chapter tonight. That's the plan. The Bible says in verse number one, Genesis chapter 35, verse one, And God said to Jacob, Arise and go to Bethel. And dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. And Jacob said unto his household, and to all them that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. And let us arise, and go up to Bethel. And I will make there an altar unto God, who's, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the day which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all the earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the yoke, which was by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them. And Jacob did not pursue after the, uh, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. Now, this isn't the first time that God had told Jacob to go to Bethel. Back in chapter 31, verse 13, God had told Jacob to go to Bethel. And now a lot has happened since he left Laban. Laban, he, the Bible tells us he was in a land called Padanaram. And you may remember that Laban caught up to Jacob in a place called Gilead. After they negotiated, they went on their way. Laban went home and, uh, and uh, Jacob proceeded forward. Jacob came to a place called Mahanaim. Uh, there he received a visit from God's angels. He sent messengers ahead to Esau's uh, to Esau with presents and asking for his grace. And the messengers retold, returned and told Jacob that, Jake, that Esau was coming with 400 men. And that scared Jacob for his life. And so he separated his family into two camps in case Esau attacked him. But when, the, when they finally met there, it was 20 years from the time that it was over 20 years from the time that Esau promised to kill Jacob. Esau embraced his brother instead. And so Jacob got worried, and, and for probably good reason, that if, when he saw Esau, Esau would carry out what he had committed to doing 20 years before. So after that uh, meeting, Jacob told uh, Esau, he said, I'm going to go into Seir, and he ended up not going, and he went the other way. Um, and so there he, he, he settled in a place called uh, Sukkoth. And there he bought land. He built a house. He built barns for his cattle. Now, we're not told why he did this, but uh, I wonder if he thought at this point, I don't need to follow God's plan anymore. Uh, we, we know God had told him in chapter 31 to go to Bethel. But yet he stops and probably for about a period of 10 years, probably took him 10 years before he got to where God had told him to go there in Bethel, as we'll see in this chapter. Then he left uh, Sukkoth and moved to Shechem. Well, if you remember from last time, just a few weeks back, his time in Shechem didn't end well. And uh, his daughter Dinah was defiled, and his sons committed mass murder there in the city in retaliation. 
Uh, Jacob has gotten away from God. There's no doubt about it. Jacob had gotten away from where God had told him to go. He didn't do the things that God had told him to do. And he did the things that he thought was going to be best. He was trying to protect himself. He's trying to protect his family. I'm sure there's all these reasons that he would have given as to why he did what he did. And why he didn't just go to where God had told him to go. A lot of people make decisions based on, here's what I think is going to be best. I, I, you know, maybe God's leading this way, but you know what? If I go that way, there's going to be people there to attack me. There's going to be people that are going to, that are going to fight me. There's going to be reasons that I can't go that way. So instead, I'm going to go this way and God will be happy with it. The best place to be, Ed Massey, my youth pastor, he told me, he said, Stephen, the best place for you to be is in the center of God's will. That's the safest place for you to be. You may have reasons you think somewhere else is safer, but it's not the case. The best place and the, and the safest place is there in the center of God's will. So we see here in the first couple of verses that God shows his grace again. Uh, in verse 1, that really demonstrates the grace of God once again. You see, Jacob and his family did not deserve, and especially his sons, right? They did not deserve to continue to be a part of God's plan. But in all reality, they never did deserve it. You and I do not deserve to be a part of God's plan. We do not deserve to be used by God. And once we start thinking that we deserve it, that's when we will get ourselves in trouble. God says, get up and go to Bethel and dwell there and make it your own. Last time he was in Bethel, God spoke to him. God did great things for him. He built an altar. He worshipped. This would be a place that you would think he would want to go to, but he thought he had a better plan. The Bible says that he, uh, verse number one, that he dwelt there, uh, that he was supposed to go and dwell there. Um, but what had happened instead is he had dwelt somewhere else. There's a difference in dwelling and sojourning. To dwell is to make it your home. We dwell at 429 Orchard. Uh, we dwell in Hazel Park. That is our home. It's not our home. We don't own it, but we live there. That's, that's, it's not our house, but it is our home. And so we have a place we call home. That place may change locations from time to time. Some of you have been in the same house for many years. My parents have been in their house for 46 years. Like a little over 46 years because they, I was, I think, just a few months old when they moved in there. And uh, they've been there the same place. In that 46 years, I have lived in several different places, several different houses. But never lacked a home, although maybe the, the location has changed. There are many events in Israel's history that offer good pictures of the Christian life. And so Jacob's decision to make Shechem his home is a good picture of a Christian making this world his home. Not just sojourning. You see, we're just sojourners here. We're, this is not our home. We're just passing through, as the song says. And so worldly living is the picture here. Now, we've got to be careful about taking an Old Testament, picture, Old Testament story and making a picture and saying, this is, God, this is God's way and this is why God wrote this. This is, what the, this is the takeaway. But we can use illustrations, and I think that that's a good illustration. Worldly living leads to disaster for a Christian. So God's instruction was not just about where to go. He didn't just say, go to Bethel, but he says, and when you're there, make an altar in the God. Now, as I mentioned last time he was in Bethel, God did great things. God spoke to him in a dream. Uh, there, this, was the, uh, this is where he was when there was the ladder to heaven, the Bible talks about, a stairway uh, going up. And after that encounter, Jacob took the stone that he had used for a pillow and he made it, he, the Bible says he set it up as a memorial and he called that place Bethel, which means the house of God. 
So, in God's grace, he's sending Jacob back to that area, even though Jacob was not following God, was not, was not uh, walking with God at this point. And then in verse 2, we, if we look back to chapter 31, Rachel had taken the gods from her father's house. The Bible tells us, if you remember, when her dad, when her father Laban had caught up, uh, he came and he, uh, he asked her where the idols were, accused Jacob of stealing them, and she is the one who had stolen them. And she hid it in a chest, and he did not find them in the, there in her tent. Now, we, we know she had false gods, but we know she had idols, but uh, certainly she wasn't the only one in Jacob's family with, with strange gods. Having lived in Canaan and, and having, uh, having made Canaan land their home for some time, and without proper leadership from Jacob, that's what it comes down to, without proper leadership, the rest of the family probably had was mired in false god worship, but Jacob decides it's time to step up. This is God's grace that has allowed him to step up back into his family's lives and to speak into their lives. You see, it wasn't too late here for Jacob to make a difference in his family. It's never too late for us to make a difference. He told them, he said, all right, I want you to put away the idols. I want you to clean yourselves, bathe yourselves, and put on clean garments. And, and then before we start this journey, we're getting ourselves right with God. You know, I can't make my children's heart be right with God. But I can lead my children to be right with God. I can, I can tell them we are not going to have idols in our lives. We are not. This is becoming an idol in your life. And this is something that you need to get rid of. And they may buck and they may fight. But we have a responsibility to cleanse our homes, especially as fathers. And so he said, we're not going to wait for another day. We're not, going to, we're not going to begin the trip, and when we get there, we'll clean ourselves up. He said, before we, get, before we begin this trip, we are going to clean things up. And we're, not, we're going to clean up, and we're going to follow God's will. Then when we get to verse 3, we see that there, there's a plan to worship again. He says in verse 3, let us rise up, go to Bethlehem, and I'll make there an altar to God. Uh, I've already read verses 3 through 5. Let me read verse 6. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan. If you go back and see chapter 31... We find that that Luz is the name of the city that Jacob named Bethel. And the Bible says, And he and all the people that were with him, and he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. But Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried beneath Bethel under an oak, and the name of it was called Elan Bakuth. Jacob's leadership was not just rulemaking. He didn't just say, Listen, guys, here's what we're going to do. Well, why, Dad? Why do we have to do that? Because I said so. That's not the way Jacob led at this point. He gave the reasons that they were going to clean things up. He says, we're going to worship God, the one who answered me when I cried out in distress and went with me every step of my way. He was preparing his family for worship. His wives, his children, they turned over their strange gods and their earrings. We know strange gods are false idol worship. Now, what makes it a god? We make it a god, okay? A piece of metal or a piece of wood is not a god on its own. It's a god because somebody made it a god. But the Bible tells us that they had false idol worship. The Bible also tells us here that they gave their earrings. Now, um, some, some people would take this verse and they would say, uh, you know, I don't think I don't think women should wear earrings. I don't think men. Should, I don't think anybody should wear earrings because here earrings are associated with idol worship. The problem is um, Abraham, Abraham's servant 
gave earrings to Rebecca. Uh, the earrings were not the problem. These earrings, the ones that they turned in, were some type of connection with the false god worship that they were involved with. And so the issue here, the takeaway here, is not that earrings are wrong, because there's nothing biblical to say that earrings are wrong. The issue here is that there was something about these that were associated with idol worship. And I wonder if Jacob, if he's there and his family is bringing him all these things, they're bringing him the idols and the piles getting bigger and bigger, I wonder if he was surprised. I wonder if he was surprised at how many idols and how many false god earrings and all these things. I wonder if he was surprised how much came. And I wonder how many of us would be surprised if we actually sat down and, and looked into our family and the, the things that we have that shouldn't be there. I, I'm, I'm not going to get into that, but I recently, uh, I was, um, maybe it's the new year, but I, was, I sat down and I started going through my credit card bill and seeing what my monthly, you know, I, I put everything on the credit card to get the points. And so um, I, I, was, I started just put, writing down uh, this subscription and this, and this monthly fee and this and this and that. And I started going through and I was like, wow, we're spending way too much money on these things. But it's a monthly fee and it goes right on the credit card and we don't notice it. And so when I, when I compiled it like that, I, I saw we're spending too much money on stuff. And I wonder if we were to compile the things in our home. If we were to say, here's what's going on in our home. Here's what's in our kids' lives. Here's what's in our own lives. And, and say, there's some cleaning up that needs to be done. I canceled a few things. I was like, we don't need that. We don't need that. I told my wife, we've got to talk about which one of these three we're going to keep. You know, no, We don't need all of these. What is it that we're, what is that we're going to keep? I, I, I called my cell phone company, and I was like, hey, I need a better plan. This isn't working. It's too much money. And so we found a better plan, and we knocked it down. And the kids will be complaining next month. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, we, uh, but if, you, if we sit down and we look at it, we go, what is it? Would we be surprised? I think we probably would be surprised at the things that need to be taken out of our homes. The Bible tells us here that he took those things and he hid them. In verse 4, he hid them under the oak tree, which, is, which was by Shechem. Uh, maybe he broke them up first. Maybe he melted the, the gold. I, I don't know. Um, either way, Jacob was not hiding these here so he can come back and get them later. He, he was hiding them, and then they were going away never to come back. So he buried them, and he ended their usefulness and the temptation of their usefulness and moved on to Bethel. Now, as they journeyed, the hand of God was protecting them. Uh, the Bible tells us as they went that the, the, those that were around God had put the fear in them and they would not attack Jacob. So if, if he looked at that, he's like, hey, we're going to have to go through that city and through that city. And man, it's going to be bad. So we better not go that way. We, we can't go to Bethel because we'll, we'll die getting there. There's no way we'll make it. But if God says go, go to Bethel, he will protect you on the way to Bethel. And we see that here in Jacob's life. Now, verse 8 kind of throws in uh, this this nurse of Rebecca that she was uh, buried there in Bethel under an oak. Um, we don't really know who she was. Uh, she may have been one that was that had come with her um, from home. We, we just simply don't know. Some some speculate that this was actually one of Sarah's, not not Sarah's, um, uh, Rebecca's. Yes, one of Rebecca's uh, nurses. We we simply don't know exactly who she was um, or how she became Rebecca's nurse. Um, so we just don't know. But it seems as though she was a, a part of the family. 
which he had been with him a long time. Now look at verse 9. And God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Padanaram, and blessed him, and said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply, a nation and a company of nations shall be of thee. And kings shall come out of thy loins. And the land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, to thee will I give it, or I will give it. And to thy seed after thee will I give the land. And God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone. And he poured a drink offering thereon, and he poured oil uh, thereon. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spake with him, Bethel. So here, the promise is reiterated. We, get, we have this promise again. And God appears to Jacob, reaffirms his name change. Now back in chapter 32, verse 28, God told him that his name would be changed. It may be that at that point he was saying, this is going to happen. But now God says here in our text that this is changed. That your name is no longer to be called Jacob, but you are to be called uh, Israel. And so he officially and permanently changed his name here. God calls himself in verse... Uh, verse number 11, God said to him, I am God Almighty. The words God Almighty in the, in the Hebrew is, is the word you're probably familiar with, El Shaddai. In chapter 17, God told Abraham, I am the Almighty God. I am El Shaddai. In chapter 28, when Isaac sent Jacob to find a wife, he told him, and El Shaddai, or in God Almighty, bless thee. And so now this here is the third time it is used in Scripture. And so God is reassuring Jacob, that he is the Almighty God and his promises are sure. Whatever you're going through, whatever it is that you are, you're, you're, you have anxiety about, just remember this, El Shaddai. God is Almighty. And if God, uh, if God has told you to go through it, if God is leading you through it, if God is allowing you to go through it, he is Almighty. And nothing happens to you that did not go through his hands. Now, this here... Um, uh, what happens here, the, the words of God to Jacob was not a new experience, but it was familiar. It was comforting. And oftentimes we want something new from God. Um, there's nothing new under the sun, but we hope that we will learn something new from Scripture. And, and we pursue that. We try to find something that God would teach us something new. But um, sometimes we just need to hear the old. And we need to hear something we already know to reassure us uh, of who God is and what he's, what he's doing and, what, and, and what, where he's leading us. Now, verse 16, and they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass, as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benani. And his father called him, but his father called him Benjamin. Here, uh, we have this blessing that comes on her, and the blessing of a child. Now, this comforting and familiar experience that reassured Jacob of God's will, um, God says, okay, now, you, now it's time for us to move on. Time for you to move on. And he tells him to move on to a place called Ephrath. Ephrath is, you might remember, you might know, recognize that. It's also called Ephrathah. Uh, in verse uh, 19, it tells us that this was that this was Bethlehem. It's mentioned in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, thou, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me 
that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old and from everlasting. And so here we have them heading back, and we have them going to this place uh, called uh, Ephrata or uh, or Bethlehem. So Rachel's labor is hard. Rachel's labor, um, she ends up dying, giving birth to this son. The Bible uh, tells us here that she, as she's dying, she names him Benani, which means the son of my sorrow. But Jacob, uh, or Israel as he's now called, names him Benjamin, meaning the son of my right hand. What is the son of my right hand? The Bible speaks often about the right hand of God. When you read about the right hand of God, it's a place of honor, it is a place of power. And so this son, uh, would not he would not remember, Jacob would, not, would choose not to remember him as the son of sorrow, but the son of his right hand, the son of his honor, uh, he, he loved Rachel. Rachel was the wife that he wanted, the wife he pursued. And this would be his final connection with his wife, Rachel. Then in verse 20, the Bible says, And Jacob set a pillar upon her grave. Um, uh, verse 19, And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Beth- Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar upon her grave. That is the pillar of Rachel's grave unto this day. And Israel journeyed and spread his tent beyond the tower of Edar, and it came to pass when Israel dwelt in the land that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard it. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve, the sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon and Levi and Judah the, and Issachar and Zebulun, the sons of Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin, the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's handmaid, Dan and Naphtali, the sons of Zilpah, Leah's handmaid, Gad and Asher. These are the sons of Jacob which were born to him in Padanaram. And Jacob came unto Isaac his father, unto Mamre, unto the city of Arba, which is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac sojourned. And the days of Isaac were a hundred and fourscore years, and Isaac gave up the ghost, and died, and was buried unto his people, being old and full of days, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. So here we come to the end of this chapter. Uh, Chapter 36 deals with Esau and his descendants, and kind of where they went, but uh, we're not going to cover that right now. We're not going to cover that tonight. But really, we see here an end of an era. We've, we've seen uh, Abraham. Uh, we see him born. We saw him die. We saw uh, Isaac. We saw him born, and we see him die. Jacob will not die till close to the end of the book of Genesis. Uh, but really here, we have the second patriarch that passes away. Reuben, um, the eldest son of Jacob, so Isaac's grandson, sins and dishonors his father in one of the most one of the most personal ways possible. And you might think, well, where did he learn such indulgent actions? And I think we have seen that this family had many of these uh, many of these events in their history. Now, it's not dealt with until Genesis chapter forty nine. When you read this, it seems a, a little bit odd that the Bible just says that. Uh, in verse 22, that it came to pass when Israel dwelt in the land that, that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard it. That's it. He just heard it. It seems as though he didn't deal with it quickly. But in chapter 49, Reuben would lose his birthright because of this sin. His birthright would be passed into, uh, instead of to him, it would be passed to Joseph's two sons, uh, Ephraim and Manasseh. Uh, Simeon and Levi had also sinned by leading the massacre of the Shechemite men. And the fourthborn then, so the oldest uh, was Reuben, then it was Simeon and Levi. The fourthborn who had not committed such an egregious sin was a man by the name of Judah. 
And we know that he is the one through whom the Christ would come, the Lion of Judah. And uh, these other ones forfeited uh, opportunities to be blessed by God. I, I said recently, uh, can we earn the blessings of God? And, and I believe the answer to that is no, but we can be obedient and allow the blessings of God in our lives. And these men certainly missed out on blessings of God because of their sin. So Jacob and Esau came back together and they honored their father uh, in his death. And so from there, we move to the story of the tribes of Israel. Jacob's going to have a is going to play a role in that, but we're not going to uh, we're not done with him yet. So in closing, what shall we do? The theme I, I titled tonight's sermon, not great faith. Um, that's kind of been the theme that is that this is about a growing faith. But before we understand that it's a growing faith, we should understand that they didn't have great faith. And over and over, these these patriarchs who are all listed in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, all of them had had uh, failures in their faith. When we consider their lives, we come away disappointed over and over. These are pillars of the faith. These are these are pillars of the Jewish faith. And uh, because we are Christians and because Christianity uh, came out of Judaism in, in, in many ways, we understand that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are pillars. Yet they, uh, they're mentioned, uh, in spite of their failures, they're mentioned as men of great faith in Hebrews chapter 11. So the question is, you've messed up. Can you still make a difference for God? Can you still make a difference in your home? Can you still make a difference in your workplace? Can you still make a difference in your church? We should never think it's too late for me to make a difference. We, if, if, you, if you get nothing else from the series on the patriarchs, get this. That like these men, none of us have reached the pinnacle of faith that we want to reach. And all of us are going to fail. We're going to fail in our morality. We're going to, we're going to tell a lie. We're going, to, uh, we're going to think things about other people. We're going to think mean things, and we're going to say mean things, and, and we're going to fail. We're going to fail to do what God wants us to do because our faith isn't as strong as it should be. But remember that these men were men of growing faith, and they're listed in the great hall of faith in spite of those things because they grew. So your faith today should not be what it's going to be tomorrow, and your faith tomorrow should not be what it's going to be the day after. We ought to be growing each day in our faith. Thank you for joining us today on the First Baptist Church of Hazel Park audio podcast. If you have questions or would like to know more about First Baptist Church, visit us online at fbchazelpark.com.